It is really a magnificent honor for me to have the Stephen J. Harper Hula Valley Bird Sanctuary Visitor and Education Center uh, named after me here as a great link between our two countries. Prime Minister. That's what it sounded like in Israel two years ago at the inauguration of the Stephen J. Harper Hula Valley Bird Sanctuary Visitors and Education Center. It's named after the former Canadian Prime Minister because he personally donated to the project and supported it, and it's run by the Jewish National Fund in Israel in the area of the Northern Galilee, where hundreds of thousands of migrating birds spend the winter resting. Prominent Jewish Canadians raised about $6 million for the Harper Centre. They held a JNF gala in Toronto in 2013, and it was led by Senator Linda Frum and her husband Howard Sokolovsky, whose company Metropia sponsors this podcast. Half a million tourists visit the site every year to see the birds, including the large cranes. The park, or Agamon Hula Lake, is one of the world's most important bird sites. But the Israeli authorities have ordered the site closed now after what officials are calling the worst biodiversity issue in Israel's history and a horrendous tragedy. An outbreak of avian flu has led to a massive die-off of between six and 8,000 of the 25,000 common cranes wintering in the area, and the virus has spread to Israel's turkey and chicken farms. So while the cleanup is still underway, bird experts are already trying to find better spots and healthier ways to host these temporary feathered guests in the future. This outbreak is a perfect example of why we need a stronger and better network of wetlands and other protected areas in uh, Israel. I'm Ellen Bessner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Tuesday, January 11th, 2022. Welcome to the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Israel's Hula Valley and Agamon Lake have been a big tourist attraction for bird watchers since the site was opened in the 1990s. The Jewish National Fund had originally drained the wetlands shortly after Israel became a country to stop malaria and to add farmland, but after environmental activists said that destroyed wildlife habitats, the JNF reflooded some of it. Now, an estimated half a billion birds, including cranes and pelicans, use the site as a migration rest stop twice a year. But as the carcasses of thousands of dead cranes have now been collected for study and then burned, Experts are hoping to keep the avian flu outbreak from spreading further than it already has onto Israeli farms, and maybe even to people, although they say the risk for that is very low. But questions are being asked about how to prevent this from happening again. Coming up, you'll meet Dr. Yoav Perlman from the Israeli Society for the Protection of Nature and hear the group's plans. But first, here's what's making news elsewhere in Canada right now. I'm Mark Zaretsky from Ottawa. And uh, this is what Jewish Canada sounds like. Edmonton's Jewish community has made the news for donating food and supplies to help a mosque. The Al-Rashid Mosque was providing shelter to homeless people during the cold snap these past few weeks when temperatures dropped to minus 35 Celsius. Volunteers from the Jewish Federation of Edmonton gathered supplies to help the mosque feed its overnight clients. And Senator Paula Simons tweeted that the whole initiative makes her verklempt and proud of the people in her city who are doing what they can to help. Dr. Yoav Perlman is a bird expert with the Society for the Protection of Nature in Israel. 
He just delivered a webinar on the Hula Valley crisis to several hundred people via Zoom, and he's given me permission to use some of that audio in our story. Do we know how the avian flu arrived in Israel and what's caused it? It took us some time to figure out that um, our outbreak here in the Hula Valley was not a surprise. Um, the only case that actually reached um, the media was an outbreak of barnacle geese in uh, Scotland, um, estimated to have killed uh, around 4,000 barnacle geese. The, the outbreak is quite widespread around northwestern Europe, UK, um, Netherlands, Denmark, Germany, uh, Belgium, uh, quite widespread in that area. Um, so it could, um, could have been assumed that uh, birds migrating south uh, in autumn or in fall and heading towards Israel would carry the disease with, disease with them. It's uh, interesting, again, in hindsight, to understand that, at least in Israel, the first cases appeared in the poultry industry. Two cases in October already. Um, they didn't break, uh, the, become breaking news, didn't reach the media. But uh, in hindsight, we, we got uh, this information. And only later, in the 30th of November, first cases in wild birds appeared. Um, this is the pattern that we have observed in other previous outbreaks in previous years in Israel, that um, the disease starts in the poultry industry and then hops through water, through food, to wild birds. We never had such a huge outbreak before, but in the smaller cases that we had in the past, uh, this was the pattern. Um, I know that samples of the virus were taken, and I'm sure that they will be analyzed genetically to try and identify the actual source, whether it arrived from uh, wild birds migrating uh, in to winter in Israel, or perhaps it arrived from the poultry industry and hopped uh, to wild birds. Uh, both at the moment, both explanations are uh, plausible, in my opinion. So how uh, did the disease manage to kill so many thousands of cranes so quickly? It's part of their nature to congregate. They always congregate in very dense uh, scenarios when they feed and they concentrate during, roosts, uh, during their roost at night. Uh, they usually roost inside the water in the Agamon Hula, uh, always in very close proximity to one another. So it's not surprising that this uh, uh, disease spread very quickly. There are accusations in the media in Israel in recent weeks that the feeding is the cause of this outbreak. Um, I think that's uh, an unjust uh, accusation. Uh, the feeding certainly accelerated the outbreak in Israel. Uh, I think there's no doubt about that, but it's certainly not the cause. Can you tell us if the outbreak is over? Yeah, um, at this moment now, we think we are past the current peak. Um, there are very few cases, if any, of uh, new cases of dead cranes in the Agamon Hula, in the Hula Valley, 
In other parts of the country, every day, one or two new cases are showing up, but it's nowhere a major event like what happened in the Hula Valley. Could there be a second peak? Um, we know from other uh, places in the world that uh, the uh, virus can stay in the water um, for several months. Um, it could affect uh, birds uh, returning north during migration. Um, there could be an ongoing effect. We could see this bird flu with us for another few weeks or few months. We could see another peak and we need to um, get ready for that. Uh, there have been already some important lessons learned about the, um, the speed of the response or uh, the lack of speed of the response of some authorities to start and clearing uh, the dead cranes. I'll just stress the importance of this action because as long as dead cranes are lying in the water, uh, they increase the infection rate because they continue to spread uh, the virus inside the water. And also they increase the uh, risk for scavengers to uh, feed on the cranes. So I hope uh, that there isn't another outbreak uh, this winter, but if there is, I hope that the authorities will respond faster. Also, one thing that's not happening uh, fast enough is the system of uh, um, tests um, to uh, confirm uh, avian flu. What do you think needs to be done, Dr. Perlman, to prevent this from happening again? Nowadays, there's uh, talk and also first action about activities that need to be taken ahead of the migration season and during the rest of the winter. Feeding of cranes in the Agamon Hula uh, continues. It hasn't been stopped, despite uh, some uh, people calling out uh, to stop uh, feeding cranes. I want to remind you why cranes are being fed if they don't get fed uh, in the Agamon Hula, they will disperse all over the country and spread the disease uh, in a much higher rate in other parts of the country. And they will start causing much more damage to crops and the conflict will escalate again. And we don't run, want to reach that uh, state again. So uh, it was decided to continue with the feeding as normal, but in a different method to spread it out more so the cranes will concentrate less and to start cleaning and sterilizing uh, the feeding areas and the water as, as much as possible um, to reduce the, um, the presence of the virus in the uh, soil, in the water, uh, in the Agamon and around it. Currently still there is a national crisis uh, declared and the National Security Council is in charge of the situation. Um, after we're past this current crisis, we'll have time for a, a deep and thorough discussion and analysis of the data, all the information there is, and we'll need to make some important decisions about the future of the project crane in the Hula Valley possible implications for other systems in the country. I want to remind you that also pelicans are fed in huge densities in some water reservoirs in Israel during both migration seasons. 
So other systems could uh, suffer from similar outbreaks. So we need to think about uh, these feeding practices and their possible outcomes. Can you tell us a bit about the Startup Nature Project uh, campaign that you're organizing? And how do you think this will help migratory birds in Israel? Uh, we need to think how we manage the Agamon Hula and how we manage other habitats as stopover sites for birds. Um, when there are few uh, stopover sites, the, the cranes will concentrate more. If we make more stopover sites, like what we're trying to do in our startup nature um, campaign, to set up more stopover sites, more wetlands for birds, for biodiversity, those migratory birds may have more alternatives and they'll uh, be less crowded. Uh, we need to think of the implications of climate change. As uh, many of us know, it is expected that with climate change, there will be more and more outbreaks of viruses like COVID, like avian flu. So we need to look into the future and think um, how to get prepared, how to um, develop early warning systems, how to improve the communication internationally, globally. Uh, and um, yeah, that's some of the things that we'll be thinking of. The Canadian branch of the Society for the Protection of Nature in Israel will be hosting a small fundraising gala in May in Toronto. They're looking to raise $11 million to help open and run Startup Nature's two new migratory bird resting places in Israel that should take the pressure off the Hula Valley area. Both sites are on former fish farms, on kibbutzes. One is at Magan Michel near Caesarea, and the other is at Kfar Rupin. A group of anonymous Canadian donors has already pledged $4 million towards the project. We'll put a link in our show notes so you can find out more. And we've put a link to the bird sanctuary in the Hula Valley so you can find out if and when they plan to reopen. We did approach both Senator Linda Frum and the Jewish National Fund of Canada for a statement on the current bird flu situation there. Senator Frum felt she was not informed enough to comment, and JNF referred me to their Israeli counterparts, but we weren't able to reach them in time for this episode. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Raymond Fague of Richmond Hill, Ontario. We're sending you a get well soon after your operation. And we'll end the episode with a sneak peek at an upcoming show where the first Canadian rabbi to go on deployment with the Royal Canadian Navy, Rabbi Captain Arnold Noteglogauer of Toronto, will be here to describe his months at sea. He blew shofar on the frigate. He conducted a belated bar mitzvah for a crewman. And he lost a lot of weight. I didn't join the military. I didn't join the Navy to be able to uh, join for the food. Although I will tell you that because we have our connections with the Japanese and the Americans, our Navy is fed 10,000 times better than other countries. We're very well fed. I don't know about the kosher. We'll have to work on that. Um, you know, working out every single day, joining, you know, all of the physical fitness classes to be able to show that I'm there supporting everybody. Um, yeah, it, it's not a vacation, but um, I, I could not imagine a better example of putting ourselves out there, being there for everyone and representing the thousands of Jews who have stood up for our country. Mm-hmm.